0: Reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to L.A., this is Big Sports Radio.
1: And here we are, Big Sports Radio. Larry Smith, Mike Hegley, Brad Sturdy, it's Joshua Over there is a working radio for us. He says hi. Uh, You can't hear him because he doesn't have a microphone. But he's a really nice guy, so make sure you wave back. Um, What a weekend we've got. We do know this much. We've got uh, Purdue. They are the official outright Big Ten champion. Took longer than we thought, but they are, so hail to the boilers. Uh, And then behind them, we've got a nasty, huge uh, six-team scrum, all vying for second, third, and fourth place coming up here Uh, This weekend, the one Saturday game, Ohio State, Michigan State, um, really only for seeding for the Spartans. Otherwise, all the actions is on Sunday. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Also, women's uh, basketball tournament is underway, and we will get to more of those details. Um, But guys, first off, first things first, at at the very top, Purdue has been there from the beginning. Um, They finish uh, there on top. They will be the one seed next week, the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. Um, How confident are you of the boilers of winning it all in Chicago next week?
2: Man, I, I don't know. They're three and four in their last seven. Um, they haven't looked like the juggernauts at the beginning of the Big Ten season. Um, obviously, they still have Zach Edie, um, who's my pick for Big Ten Player of the Year, just because they won them. But, yeah, they they, relied, they rely on a lot of freshmen, freshman guards, and, and they haven't been quite as consistent or as good lately. So that makes it more difficult for them. And I think that's my concern going into March with them, is how do these young kids handle these situations? Now, they've been in some close games at least, so um, maybe they can pull it together and play well in Chicago. But, you know, they got a tough game at home against Illinois and then the Big Ten tournament. It'll be interesting to see how they do.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think some of it goes with how the game is called. But I think mainly we will see if the freshman can play under uh, a pressure cooker. Uh, what a great way to get prepared for the NCAA tournament. But I do think that, you know, Edie doesn't need these freshmen to be great, but they do have to be able to knock down open shots um, the majority of the time. So we'll see. We'll see where they end up, um, you know, in just a, a few days. It should be a drop. De- you know, it should be just a, a, a Pier six brawl at this tournament.
1: Yeah, it really should. You're, Purdue, number one seed. Congratulations. Guess you get your quarterfinal matchup. You get a Rutgers or Michigan State. I mean, you know, it's not not like it it get, buys you extra day of rest. Otherwise, I mean, you're walking right into the gauntlet because you're going to have eight or nine teams uh, in the Big Ten and and possibly one more on top of that. Um, you know, so we've got these games here coming up. Um, you know, really like the Brad mentioned Illinois Purdue Illinois with the big win over Michigan, ninety one eighty seven in double overtime Thursday night. Where are you guys with the Wolverines right now? That was a crucial win they needed to get into. Um, you know, get kind of get off the bubble for the moment, right? In terms of everyone's opinion with the NCAA tournament field, um, they've got some work to do. They really need to win Sunday at 15th ranked Indiana, and probably win at least two games in Chicago to to get a sniff at one of those uh, last
2: bids. It's going to depend on you know you never know how it's going to play out in the Big Ten, who they play in the tournament. Obviously, winning in Indiana is probably going to put them on the right side of the bubble. I think a um, quad one win. They're just outside. They're playing well, yes, but they're just outside now. They need that win in Indiana. But then you get in the Big Ten tournament, and I don't know where they're going to – where are they seated? Are they seated at, you know, five or four? Are they seated at whatever? Then they might have a game where they have to play – like if they have to play a five and play a 12, they can't afford to lose that game, right? I mean, they they have to win that game because that would be a bad loss and could put them on the other side. So, yeah, they have some work to do to feel comfortable. I think they need to probably win three in a row. Um, and then they'll feel good about it. if they if they lose to Indiana, then they probably need to win three in that big 10 tournament. Cause they're going to have to beat somebody in up in the upper echelon of the big 10 to, um, to, to get a bid. And if they don't, if they get a bid, they're dangerous. If they don't get a bid, well, they might win the NIT.
3: You know, I, I think they're an interesting team because we've seen over the years that certain big 10 teams get rough draws in the, uh, NCAA tournament. I think it's because they haven't made it to the Sweet 16. (laughs) I'm kind of curious, will um, Michigan get a little bit of a pass because of their success where maybe they, let's say, get pushed in or they're on the bubble and, you know, they they give a little nudge to the play-in game because of all the stuff that they have done. Now, now nobody's ever going to admit that, but you do kind of wonder if the Blue Bloods, like I recently saw some uh, person who had Kentucky on the sixth line, and you're like, how, how do you put Kentucky there other than their name, Kentucky?
1: <laughs> it's the same reason they put them in the top 10 in the preseason every year, because of the name. Uh, Kentucky Uh, we'll talk a lot more about uh, the big 10 coming up as we, again, we head into the final weekend here. Also the big 10 women's tournament. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, and Michigan uh, going in as the top seeds. And we will talk more about uh, how things are going in Minneapolis as Janet would scream uh, back in the heyday. Uh, Lots to come. Hey, we've got some great guests up next. He is uh, the founder of the big 10 network, Bob Thompson gives his unique uh, perspective in terms of uh, the Big Ten Network, TV money, some of the deals going on, uh, expansion right now. And we'll get his thoughts on how things could look in the Big Ten and other conferences um, in five to ten years from now. We'll talk with him in a moment. He's standing by. Also, he's the godfather of brackets, Jerry Palm. Yes, he's a Purdue grad, and uh, we love him for it. Uh, But Jerry is a guy that has been uh, doing this kind of stuff for 30 years Uh, And he is one of the leaders in uh, bracketology. We'll get his thoughts. He'll be honest about Purdue. We'll hold his feet to the fire. We promise on that. But a great conversation with Jerry of cbssports.com. We are just getting started. This is Big Sports Radio. Hope you stay with us. Back with more after this.
4: If you served in the Marine
5: Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time.
4: Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new
6: CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance.
4: If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160.
7: We all make more than 35,000 decisions a day. Most are small, but some can be life-changing.
8: When it comes to taking care of yourself, the most important choices can be hard to make, like having a tough conversation instead of ignoring a buddy's call.
7: Or being there for support, not assuming things will just get better. Make the decision to be there for the veterans in your life, for your community, for yourself. Learn more at BeThereForVeterans.com.
1: Right back here on the show. And as you know, uh, March is no more mad anywhere than in my house. With those of you who follow me or follow me on social media, you've seen me every year with the 80 wide index cards up on the wall with every team's resume as I pick my own field of 68 and I do the dirty dozen, which is 12 and 0 over the years. Uh That's happening again. Trust me, it's not a pretty scene. Um, don't let your kids go into that room. Um, hey, we've got a great guest uh, here on the show this weekend, um, Bob Thompson. He's a former Fox sports network president and the founder of Thompson sports group. Um, this guy has uh, done it all. And he's responsible. If you like the big Ten network, he's one of the guys who put it together. Bob, great to have you on the show.
5: My pleasure to be here.
1: Just want to start before we get, get going here. Quick and dirty. How do you start a network and how did you guys come up with the big 10 network and a team that, that, at a time when nobody was doing this kind of thing
5: well a colleague of mine larry jones was uh at the, uh, the big 10 meetings i think it was in florida maybe Destin or somewhere and him and jim were throwing some things around and jim had had some unfortunate conversations with espn about uh, potentially doing this and so those guys were scheming away and you know wrote it up on a cocktail napkin is what i'm told and Then when it came to the time of actually trying to put the thing together, given it was going to be a cable network, it was kind of dumped off onto my lap. And so I worked with Jim on, you know, putting the partnership agreement together, the original rights agreement, and then got set and ran about, you know, the whole network together. And that entailed, you know, finding an office building in Chicago and finding a president, finding, you know, hired the first, I don't know, 10 employees. so, you know, it was a good it, it was an interesting experience. We had one tough year when we didn't get carriage right off on a lot of the cable operators in the territory. But we had the direct TV carriage and we had the dish network carriage. And, you know, we had picked off a few others here and there. But fortunately, you know, Jim was able to hold all the presidents and athletic directors and coaches together. And I was able to ultimately, you know, figure out a way to get us carried. And by the time of the second year, the second year uh, came about, we were pretty much blanket coverage in the Big Ten territory and even expanded well beyond that.
2: Bob, I have to ask, uh, the the landscape has completely changed um, over the past few years with all the expansion and, and the Big Ten, of course, expanding as well. What 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 are your thoughts on that and what do you see happening with Big Ten expansion in the future?
5: Well, I think some of the early expansion, talking about say maybe Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, and part of that was probably Big Ten network uh, related. Um, in order to get some additional uh, eyeballs for the network, uh, create some flip what were quote outer markets at a lower rate to inner markets at a higher rate, and you know really help the network from a financial standpoint. And also brought some 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 good programs to the to the uh, conference. You know, in a little bit, you can say the same thing, certainly, uh, probably not to the same extent, but for, for the L.A. market, that was an important ad for television. I think it was also an important ad just for the conference in general. Um, you know, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I I think at this point, the Big Ten is standing plat. I mean, obviously, with, with Kevin moving on, um, probably nothing will happen until a new commissioner comes about. I also think that one of the reasons was that there's they didn't want to get to a situation where they were ultimately responsible for putting a a knife in the back of the Pac-12 network. Um, you know, long history between those two conferences, and I really think that that yeah. some of the members had a difficult time with, say, going and poaching a couple more conf- or a couple more members of the Pac-12 conference, which could have proven you know, its its end or its demise. So I think that's actually a, a good thing that the, the, everything seems to have stood holding pat right now. I think the expansion of the CFP certainly helps uh, these all the other conferences outside of the Big Ten and the SEC. They know they have a path to get to the college football playoffs. So it's created some level of, um, you know, everybody's kind of stood down. Now, if for some reason the Pac-12 cannot reach an agreement that satisfies its members and a couple of folks in the pac 12 get wandering eyes as i like to call it uh, and bolt and then you know all bets are off and i think that could could cause some additional um movement um we'll have to wait and see i i hope and i believe that the pac 12 will get a deal that's close enough uh, to some of the others out there, obviously it's not going to be Big Ten numbers, it's not going to be SEC numbers, but it'll be close enough to keep the conference together. Which I think for, for college football in general, it's very important to have strong conferences coast to coast, especially when you get to the playoffs. You don't want to just have a you know something down the middle center part in the southeast part of the country. You need to be strong from the ACC to the Pac-12 and everything in between for college football to really you know and the playoffs to really have the implications that it that it can have and should have
3: you know you you talk about the pac 12 trying to figure out what they're going to do how do you look at the decision of adding potentially streaming to a package because i know the nfl is kind of toyed with it a little bit with amazon what do you you know as, as an executive who's who's worked in the industry how do you look at streaming versus television?
5: Well, I'm a firm believer that you need to, you know, reach your viewers wherever they are, and you know, more and more these days with cord cutting, and in many cases, people who never even have cord in the first place, you know, cord nevers as they're called. Um, you need to find a way to reach them, and so I think it'd be uh, incumbent on every conference to have a streaming element to. Uh, the, their deals, and I think, pretty much everyone does. You know, whether it's you know through the ACC Digital Network or through ESPN Plus, and um, I think the you know Pac twelve or the big Big Ten will have some Peacock element, some Paramount Plus element. So I think it makes sense. The question you have to get to this point where you don't want to be in a situation where you're trading dollars for distribution. Uh, you might someone might write you a big check, but if nobody can see the events, then that creates a problem. Mm-hmm. So, as a element of a package, it's important and can bring you some additional money. You get your feet wet you, with streaming. You're going to reach some people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily see your product on, say, linear the linear cable bundle because they don't have it. But you still maintain the, the wide distribution that. You know the the cable the cable networks have, and the certainly the broadcast networks have. so there's a balance I think that you need to have in there that um, creates a, a package that benefits everybody, gives you the reach you want, gives you the dollars that you might pick up from from streaming um, and it, so it's a win-win for everybody. The question just is you know what's the mix and how how does that mix evolve over time?
1: Talking with Bob Thompson here, the former president of uh, Fox Sports and Networks, and giving us some, some great insight, because as we go on message boards and, and discuss the topic of expansion and uh, TV packages, media rights, streaming, all that, um, a lot of fans would understand um, this is not a just walk in. And, and like I said, it's not a tit for tat. I mean, this is a deep and very complex issue to go through. I want to bring up the ACC. We finally this week, we've heard it all rumblings, you know, under the surface, but it's finally percolated up to where it's becoming a little bit of noise. Um, in terms of the story this week that Clemson and Florida State both have been very open about the ACC deal and that they're locked into this till 2036 you know it's kind of the the one piece of this and their deal is pretty much ironclad when you look through their media rights deal do you feel like if an, enough teams complain and if there's something you can't answer right now that I understand that that if there's enough ACC teams that begin to kind of rally fight back will they get more money one out of ESPN or find a way, not now, but a few years down the line, to maybe somehow get out of this deal to try to go join an SEC or or a Big Ten?
5: You know, I've looked at the, the grant of rights. I have never really looked at the ACC television deal. I understand its term. I think certainly getting out of the grant of rights is difficult. Uh, if you had a group of schools trying to get out of the grant of rights, maybe it's a different situation. Uh, there's obviously going to be some significant penalties. You know the 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 television partner is going to you know if they're say they're successful the television partner is going to want some some money back. Obviously, you don't have the same schools, so I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to say. I, I I really think the conference and ESPN can certainly work together to try and figure out some ways to hopefully um, you know goose that number uh, for the ACC. Uh, But, you know, you got to remember one of the reasons that they did that length of a deal is because it was, you know, they they launched the ACC network and ESPN made a significant, you know, um, investment in that network and launched it at a time, you know, what, 2015, 16. So it was seven, eight years after the Big Ten network. So they launched it in probably not as good of a market. And they want to be insured. ESPN wants to certainly be insured that they're going to have an opportunity to to make a return on that investment, which was significant. And so um, hence, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to sign a much longer term deal in order for them to be ensured that they're going to have a chance to recoup that investment. So I, you know, I'd I'd hate to see the ACC fall apart. I think it's uh, it's a great conference and with some great markets and some great institutions. And I hope that them and ESPN can figure out a way to, you know, Mm get everybody to a point where they're comfortable being where they're at.
2: Do you see a future where there could be like two or three, three super conferences or something in the, in the power five ranks? Maybe
5: I think you could, I I think, you know, what, what normally happens is the movement is usually around expiration of TV deals. And the last movement was in 2010, 11 when some schools went to the sec and some, Yeah, some schools went to the Big Ten, things like that, and then it really kind of settled down until now. Which, because all the TV deals were up for renewal, and so now instead of twelve-year TV deals, it looks like people are doing um, put the ACC aside. You've got five and six-year deals, which I think makes more sense in this era when the TV uh, TV, as we know it, is constantly changing and will probably change you know, as much in the next six years as it did in the last 12 years. So I think shorter deals makes a lot of sense. And, you know, so if there's going to be movement, like again, like I say, assuming the PAC-12 can get their deal done, the next round of movement would probably be, you know, closer to 2030 or, you know, thereabouts right before then.
3: And then the other question that's always fascinated me is, let's just take the hypotheticals around the the PAC-12 you know, that, that Washington and Oregon, you know, would like to get to the Big Ten. Um, how did you and, and how do others look at individual schools as brands? Is that important as you're looking? I mean, obviously, Notre Dame, Texas, you know, Ohio State, some of these mega brands. But, but how does a Washington or an Oregon, you know, how are they looked at as you're putting together the pieces of a network?
5: Well, you know, being a, a TV guy, I'm I'm always gonna look at numbers. So I'm gonna look at market size. I'm gonna look at what their ratings have been, you know, how they performed in their current situation. Um I I was consulted on on many um potential movement. I never I never lobbied for a movement to actually happen. I never picked up the phone and called a commissioner and say, you know, it'd be really nice if you went and you know, stole these guys from conference Y, <laughs> but that's not to say that we were not consulted. Because certainly one of the one of the reasons that uh, the conferences look to expand is to potentially expand their pie of the TV revenue. And so, you know, certainly I would look at rivalries. I would look at you know what the kind of the culture is at the school. Does that that culture? fit with that conference because you guys know you, you've been around this enough that you know the the, the pac 12 is it got a different culture than than the south or the uh big 12 and the big 10 has a different culture than the sec and it's hard to describe it but you feel it you know it you can see it and one of the things that i've always been careful of as far as it um, suggesting uh, what a value might be for an expansion. I always ask the question of myself and the conference, are you sure, is this a good fit? Is it a good fit? Culturally is it a good fit academically. You know, what's the right who's the rival going to be? You know, how's that all going to work out? Because those are the big, those are the games that resonate on TV. Those are the games that resonate with with viewers. And anytime you look at movement, and you know, before I throw out any numbers, I would certainly say, to myself and to the conference, you know, is this something that really makes sense? And then you go in and you can run all the numbers and find out real quickly, is it, you know, additive or is it dilutive to the to the payout on a per school basis?
1: Bob, I want to ask you uh, one more question before we let you go. Go back again to um, the beginning of the Big Ten Network as you're making those plans. When you look back now uh, on that and the success that it's had, where BTN is right now, um, did you exceed expectations or is there something still that you feel like you left on the table that, that maybe you wish you would, would have uh, put into play uh, with big
5: 10 network? No, no, I can't. I, I've got a lot of other regrets in my career, but <laughs> that one worked out pretty good. You know, I had to thank the heavens for the uh, Michigan Appalachian state game to, to, to kick off. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I
2: good mean,
5: you couldn't ever ask for anything better than that. That was certainly something sent from above. So. Uh, but no, the, the the Big Ten, you know, network turned out great. Jim held it together. You know, I'll never forget when he, he would call me and we'd have these long discussions. You know, probably each had a glass of wine at our end of the phone. And I'll never forget he was in he was in uh, at the Olympics somewhere and uh, for the for the basketball side of it and. I had talked to him, you know, odd time zones. The Olympics were overseas somewhere. I can't even remember where. And I said, I think we're getting close. We were, and so he he gets on a plane, flies home, gets in the, you know, gets in the sack because he's been on a plane for uh, 14, 16 hours, and we get the deal done. And so, you know, he wakes up and he's got like 10 voice messages. I'm like, Will you call me back? This is Don. We're going. And you know, we're that close and I want to give them the go ahead to put the games on, even though everything wasn't quite finalized. But we were close enough and we wanted to hit that first Saturday morning uh, with football. So, uh, you know, I'll never forget talking to him the first time and he was like, is, is this a dream? You know, <laughs> I've been on a plane. I wake up. And I get on the plane. Nothing's done. I wake up. And everything's done. and we're we, we're We're everywhere. And so that was one of the great things. But no, no regrets. With the Big Ten, I think it's really evolved. And you know, Mark Silverman did a fantastic job taking the network from kind of our idea and what we put together and 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 ran with it. And you know, I always told him, I said, "You you worry about how the channel looks. You know, we'll worry about getting the cable de- the carriage deals done because the last thing we want is people to say it looks crappy and have a reason not to carry it." And so, you know, we launched full HD there were some hiccups along the way we had some hits and misses with programming but any network has that and so you know i look at it now and it's you know it's something that makes me very very proud i've got a picture over here on the wall of, of us pulling the the lever which was basically a stick with a bowling ball on top of it but it uh, <laughs> served the purpose and and the happiest life, one of the happiest moments of my life is when we pulled that and and you know dave Redson actually showed up on the screens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I can tell you, you had a much better launch and a, a better uh, lifespan than what we had with CNSI. December 12th, 1996 um, was such a mess that we couldn't even go live. I mean, it was, and I'll leave that for another conversation. So big Ten to- <laughs> flourishing right now. And uh, we are thankful for your genius and everyone involved. Bob Thompson, great to talk with you. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to catch up again soon and um, and get your thoughts as like we said, we know that this thing is is not over. There are probably still several iterations of, uh, of this expansion process in college sports still to come.
5: My pleasure, guys. Really enjoyed it. Look forward to catching up with you again.
1: Thank oh. you. All right. Thanks so much. It's Bob Thompson, former uh, president of Fox Sports Networks and also the founder of the Thompson Sports Group, giving us his very unique perspective on not just college sports, but the media and how that's involved, and, of course, uh, the Big Ten Network and what it has become now. Stay with us. We've got to pay some bills, and uh, we'll be right back. We promise.
6: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline
4: can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to
3: people that you don't understand. I still had the anger. I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that.
5: came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this.
0: Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people. because It takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net.
6: My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma
8: attack. It came out of nowhere.
6: The unsettling thing about some symptoms is...
8: A fever. Headaches.
6: You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction
8: triggered by cockroach allergens.
5: I had West Nile virus from a
4: mosquito.
6: Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Mosquitoes, ticks, and cockroaches can make you sick. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org.
0: You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy.
1: Welcome back here to the show. Big Ten Women's Tournament is up and running in Minneapolis, the Target Center, right there in downtown. If you're wondering, you're a Big Prince fan. Yes, it's right across the street from First Avenue and uh, or First Street and what is it? First Avenue and Seventh Street entry. I botched it. There it is. By the way, have you guys been up there? In <laughs> that place.
2: Yeah, I was actually there for the Big Ten Media Days last fall.
1: That's right. That's right. It was, was on the
2: perfect. private jet, right?
1: That's right. So you want to rub that in. See? Yeah. I, I walk right in. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, making us feel like second-class citizens. That's just...
3: Yeah, yeah I've eaten fat right. Lorenzo's way more time than Brad does. Yeah, you have. Although I've had it more recently, Mike. Yeah, that's a ah, good point. I was, go. I was volunteering. I would have went up there.
1: Touche. Touche. He's going to take one for the team. When yeah. I first saw that place back in 01 at the Final Four, I was thinking the grand like it was on the movies and was really disappointed. It was just this hole in the wall right there in downtown. But, you know, what a great history it's got. So, all right, back to basketball. Um, so the quarterfinals are here um, coming up uh, today here on Friday. Um, number one, Indiana taking on Michigan State. But, you know, these four games um, on Thursday, all three were, were down to within one basket. The only one was Illinois the last game uh, routing Rutgers for the third time this year
2: yeah it was crazy I mean last second shots attempts to tie it and it was really fun games except for of course Illinois that was fun too I guess but if you're an illinois fan but Illinois just rolled over Rutgers the rest of the tournament is very competitive and I think we're going to see that again coming up um you know we're going to continue to see a competitive tournament throughout this weekend
3: well and and probably in the next week with the men I mean it's kind of the, this is this is kind of a, a cool thing. I mean, there's some there's some fun teams to watch, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not an Iowa guy, but watching Caitlin Clark shoot from Steph Curry like distances is is fun to watch. And Indiana, you know, has a ton of talent. Um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of athletes that are that are out there that are competing at an extremely high level, and if you don't. Uh, take the time to go over to the big 10 network and watch some of it. I think you're missing some very good entertainment.
1: Iowa shooting star, Caitlin Clark, deservedly so winning the big 10 player of the year award for the second year in a row this past week. And certainly she's deserving of that. Iowa will open um, as they get the, one of the double buys as the two C the Hawkeyes, uh, Coming oh so close, beating Indiana last time out, the, the Big Ten champs for the first time since 1983. Beating them back on Sunday, they returned to the court five days later to take on Purdue. One of those close winners, the Boilers only 55-50, 57-55 50, over Wisconsin. How about the, kind of the scare of the day was, was the early game in Minneapolis. Uh, 17th ranked Michigan, the five seed, um, as they had the tie break over Illinois, thanks to their win over the Illini. Had to hold off Penn State. They were up. Penn State finished the game on a seven-two run. Came this close from the upset. Only four and fourteen in the regular season, the Big Ten. But they gave Michigan all they wanted: 63-61. What a wild game to start off play on Thursday.
2: Yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, Michigan. I've only watched them play a few games this year, but man, they uh, when I saw them play, it looked really good. And and obviously they're ranked seventeenth in country. Penn State, when I saw them play, they didn't look very good. But on this day. Ben stage it just goes show you if you don't bring it you're in trouble I mean it, it doesn't matter whether the other team they're, they're all they all have the capability of beating you if you aren't ready to play on that given day
3: I think it really underscores the importance of the transfer portal if you look what Illinois has done with a new coach a new program and then bringing in some key players you can turn a program around. And then, you know, with talent, all you need is uh, one game and you bring it and somebody else is having a hard time, you know, getting their shots to drop and they go home disappointed. I mean, this is uh, this is why I don't gamble, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> and the games begin at uh, 1230 Eastern time. All four quarterfinal games today are on Big Ten Network, starting with Michigan State uh, at Indiana. The Hoosiers uh, 16-2 and regular season end conference 26-2 and overall. Second ranked only to South Carolina. And, you know, we were talking with Megan uh, Megan McEwen of Big Ten Network and ESPN just last week. She's up there as a sideline reporter for BTN. She'll be doing some stuff with ESPN, she told us, that the NCAA tournament. Um, She was saying that she really likes this. One, she thinks Indiana is as good, maybe the one team in the country that can play with South Carolina, uh, the defending champs. And then she said at the same time, um, she thinks Maryland is primed to make a deep run um, in March in the NCAA.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of depth in the Big Ten. Obviously, uh, on the women's side, you've got you know five teams ranked in the top, you know, seventeen, um, all from the same conference, and you've got three teams in the top seven. This is a this is a very good conference. Um, we know that Indiana is probably is the class of this conference, but Iowa did beat them, you know, recently. So given their second loss, so. I really I really think it's going to be interesting to see who makes a run. Indiana may have a chance. I'm not sure they're ready at South Carolina's level because I don't know that anybody is. But upsets happen. And they're probably a team with Mackenzie Holmes that has the ability to maybe get some, you know, she's good enough to make a difference and give them the opportunity to maybe pull an upset should they get to a Final Four.
3: Yeah, I, I like that Maryland team. Um, Diamond Miller is something else to watch. I mean, Goodness gracious, I mean, she is really good. And again, as somebody who hasn't, you know, I I had three boys, so I didn't watch as much um, women's basketball as, as, let's say, Brad, who had three girls. But um, when you watch Diamond Miller play, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, holy cow, she's really good. And um, she's worth watching because, uh, you know, somebody like her, she gets on a roll, Maryland can beat anybody. I don't think it really matters when
1: she's playing well. So, yeah, Michigan State, Indiana, the game won. The other games, the 17th ranked Michigan taking on 14th ranked Ohio State. The Buckeyes, the four seed to the Wolverines, five seed. Purdue, number seven, Iowa is the third game. And then uh, Illinois against uh, fifth ranked Maryland, the three seed in this. And the winners of these four go on to the semifinals on Saturday. And then, of course, on Sunday is uh, is the final uh, matchup, uh, guys. Uh, it appears the Big Ten is getting probably six teams in the five ranked teams plus Illinois. Um, do you think that's where it stops, or is there a team that could, you know, maybe a Purdue that could slide in and, and make it seven teams?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you win the tournament, I think Purdue's the team that has a chance. Um, Purdue, you know, they, they're nineteenth. You know, the nineteen wins um, chance to, they can win this game. Get to twenty wins with their quality win. You now that puts them uh, in a pretty, you know, pretty good opportunity maybe to get an at-large bid. the The problem they don't they have is that you know they beat they did beat Illinois at Illinois. So that's a good win, and they won at Ohio State when they were ranked second in the country. Got a couple wins, but overall, you know, they they need some more quality wins. And this obviously beating Iowa would be a great start to put them probably on the right side of the bubble.
3: Yeah, I mean that's a tremendous ask to beat Iowa. <laughs> um, like the, K- Benet- Caitlin
2: Clark's pretty good, right? Yeah, Caitlin and and, not too
3: bad. and they got the inside-out game going as well. I mean, uh, that's a tough one, but uh, you will earn your movement from one side of the bubble to the good side if you can beat Iowa. I'm not certain they can pull it off, but um, you know it's right in front of them, and that's you know that's where the College stories are made, you know, by pulling the big upsets and and pulling yourself into a tournament so that you can compete.
1: Well, just like the men, the women's selection Sunday, if you didn't know, is a week from Sunday, and so we will find out which sixty eight teams will move on and which ones will be waiting for the consolation call to go to the women's nit. This is big sports radio. Uh, still to come, we've talked about uh, well a, a number of things um it's coming up later on in the show but next it is the he's the godfather of brackets jerry palm the bracketologist from cbssports.com we get his take on this men's field of 68 and uh, the top four seeds are they set uh, or do these teams still have some work to do that's next on big sports radio
4: That's 800-613-8053.
1: We're thrilled now to have on the show as it is March officially. We're in the season, if you will. Uh, it is, uh, if December's to remember, then March is, I don't know, something you never forget, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He is the godfather of brackets, Jerry Palm of cbssports.com. Jerry, great to have you on the show. Um, boy, great to catch up with you here in the break as uh, we go way back. Let's start first. Tell our, our audience, uh, just kind of how you got started doing this.
7: Yeah, it's funny. Um, back in 1994 or really 93, um, the they had just changed the RPI formula, Then I had a brand new computer and a new database. And Al Gore just invented the internet, and I had all this new stuff I wanted to try out. Um, and so I thought, well, I could create a database and maybe calculate the RPI. I had, a, I mean, I'm a big basketball fan, of course. So, you know, I thought, well, I had to, you know, I had to go to the library to gather the old scores to enter into my database because we didn't have team websites and stuff you could download and. Uh, so I hand-entered everything into my database, and I calculated the RPI, shared it on news groups, which was you know the caveman writing on the wall version of um, message boards now, and I uh, thought nobody would care. I mean, you know, not enough people to fit in my minivan would care. And it turns out people care, and they started asking for emails, and I wasn't going to do emails. And then the next year, AOL gave everybody a one-page website. So I had a one page website and I would just put the RPI up there and uh, did a bracket that year. My first bracket is 1994. So this is my 30th year of doing brackets. Mm. Um, It's uh, and I, but I was working, you know, I had a job. I I worked for lawyers and bankers uh, coming out of Purdue. Um, So this was a hobby and I was just doing it for fun and for my own edification and um, but it kind of picked up traction, you know, as I got further along and then, you know, 98 comes along and I start doing football because the BCS started and it was pretty similar, uh, in terms of just collecting the data. So I started doing that too. And then in 2002, I got downsized, uh, cause my, I got bought by one bank too many apparently and my job got moved away. But, um, so, uh, but that was March 1st, 2002. So today actually, um, <laughs> and, uh, And so I went to the final four that year and started talking to people and seeing about, you know, if I turned my websites into subscription sites because they weren't at the time, do you think I could, I could make that work? And since what I was doing was pretty unique still, um, I did. I turned them into subscription sites and uh, all I did a little work on the side outside of that. I mean, that was my primary uh, source of income for until I got uh, bought out by CBS Uh, It wasn't technically a buyout, but um, I went full-time CBS in 2011. Um, I did a bunch of freelancing for other outlets, but also CBS for a few years, and finally got to a point where it's like, we just want you full-time. So I've been full-time CBS since 2011. um, And it's just, I would have never, ever guessed that something like this would take off uh, the way it has. Um, I never, I I didn't really over-pursue it. It wasn't like, this is my goal. I'm going to make this a job. This is my goal was to kind of educate myself and how all of this worked and i just shared the information and enough people liked it that it turned into a job but um you know I, it, this wasn't like some lifelong i mean nobody grew up wanting to be the bracket guy we didn't have bracket guys right. was yeah it's so, in the paper i mean like, it, maybe people do it, now right. i don't know yeah. but um but yeah it's it's a i have kind of a weird life um but certainly my job history you know it's like I have a unique career path. So if you're trying to follow my career path, um, well, you might have some problems. <laughs> well, I remember that I discovered you because I started doing my own brackets
1: in 98. I was tired of watching Dick Vitale and Digger Phelps tell me that every single team was in.
7: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in between games. it <laughs> game. still happens, by the way. And it still and does. It's not, it's not them. Well, Dick's still yeah. doing it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's, but there are more people that are. Um, yeah, actually, most broadcasts, the, the whoever the broadcast team is, Panders to the audience when it comes to that sort of thing. I so I agree. So yeah. you know, and it's not. Um, I don't think it's really doing them a service uh, to pander to the audience that way. But that's what they do. Well, nobody, nobody
1: digs into. The, you're you're farther into the rabbit hole than I am. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty deep. And uh, but I know I'll never catch you. But that was the thing that really got me going. Um, and that's how I did, discovered you and had you on headline news a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, to discuss this i thought what you did was just fascinating and i remember the conversation we had at the final four of 2003 in new orleans and we were sitting it there and um in the quarter and having a drink and trying to figure out how to get you into cbs i remember going in the <laughs> next night the title game syracuse kansas and said you got to get this guy a press pass, you got to get this guy in and i don't know if it helped but i remember you were actually in in 04 you had a press yep. pass and then from there on yep. this is history
7: so yeah. So yeah, the first working... couple of years after I got downsized, I went to the. I've been to every Final Four since two thousand two, right? Uh, and the one before that that happened in Indianapolis, but um, the but yeah, I have had press passes I think since oh four, yeah, uh, for yeah. the for yeah, the Final was... Four, uh, except for the pandemic one because right. they didn't have very many people covering it. So I actually went to that one also as a fan, yeah, uh, in Indianapolis. But um, yeah, the otherwise um, press passes since two thousand four.
1: Yeah. It so, was, thanks for your help. You, I, I'm,
7: you're very welcome. <laughs> we and about, I ended up at CBS, so. it was,
1: which is great. Which is well, and I think, and that's where the rest of our audience really um, gets a chance to enjoy what 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 some of us had discovered. You now have a bigger audience, and um, you do such great work because you're you're much more objective um, than some others who do this. And I know you really do your homework. Um, you're a Purdue guy. You don't elevate Purdue artificially. You put Purdue where yeah. uh, where they
7: should be. Um, My biases don't help do my job <laughs> so right. i have to set them aside uh, otherwise i just couldn't do it right how could exactly. you tell i'm a purdue guy does my background
1: give me away I don't know. <laughs> yeah for those who, for those who can't see and for those who don't know jerry palm uh was in the marching band at purdue and as i'm looking at him right now as we're talking here via zoom he has a big giant purdue the big drum it's the big I, drum, the big yeah, bass drum, the yeah, big my bass background. drum yeah. right there. Yeah. So, uh, which is which is pretty <laughs> cool. Obviously, talking with Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com, uh, the bracketologist, and uh, it is that time of year. Uh, you went to Purdue, great segue. Um, I know that it's a it you don't do it because you're a Boilermaker, but certainly Purdue right now, um, deserving of that number one. See that you've got them projected. Um, look, they've run into a you know a, a bit of a uh, some stumbles here lately as some of the Big Ten teams have kind of figured out how to defend them and. Um, some of the freshmen started to play like freshmen for Matt Painter. Um what do they have to do to hold on to that number one seed? There's some buzz out there that maybe uh UCLA could come in and and uh, grab that, or maybe uh, you know, they may slide to that two line if they don't finish up strong here this weekend and in the tournament
7: next week. Yeah, they definitely have to get things turned around. Um it's you know, they've lost four of their last six, two of those four were to Indiana, and the two of those games were really because of turnovers Um, the first half at Indiana, they had 11 turnovers and, you know, they got all the way back to within one point in the second half when they stopped turning the ball over, but couldn't get over the hump against Northwestern. They had 12 second half turnovers and four inside of the last four minutes when they were trying to protect an eight point lead and they couldn't protect it. So you know that was just sloppy play, and the turnovers aren't all the freshman guards. It's a, it's a team effort. In fact, Zach Eady had five turnovers in one of those games, and six in the other. So, you know it's it's not just uh, the guards. But that's just sloppy. The Maryland game that you know Mason Gillis gets a technical foul. Maryland just buzzsaws them after that. That's the one game all year that Purdue was just never in. Um, and then the Indiana home game. Indiana shot fifty percent from the floor. from three. And and Purdue didn't have quite as good a shooting day as they normally do. Um, So, but still, it was an eight point game. So, you know, now IU had a, you know, led the whole second, well, most of the second half in 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 that comfortable range of eight to 12. But I don't know if Purdue ever got closer than eight. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's one of those where just sometimes it's the other team's day. I mean, Indiana shot the ball really well. Uh, Hood Shafino was unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, you just got to shake that off and move on. And now they go to Wisconsin, which has been a house of horrors for Purdue. Um, they're like five of their last 19 wins, I think, at, at Wisconsin, uh, which might even predate the Kohl Center. Uh, but it's it's a, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Purdue's got to go in there and find a way to win. Um, the one um, player that seems to have come back to the pack a little bit is Fletcher Lawyer, uh, whose shooting has not been – uh, as good of weight, So he might be getting some of the freshman legs. Um, so they they obviously need him. Uh Braden Smith uh can score, but he's it he facilitates. He sees that as his primary role and there are times where Painters saying, Hey, we need you to score. You know, you gotta shoot but but Lawyer and Smith were uh both had terrible shooting days against Indiana. And it would have only taken a mediocre shooting day for Purdue to overcome Indiana's hot, but it just didn't happen. So now they're going to go to Wisconsin. Um, Purdue is still built to do well, but they have to execute better. It's as simple as that. Um, and you know, uh, hope that they don't run into what Iowa gave Indiana last night. My goodness, right? That was uh, um, that was shooting like uh, probably nobody's done all year. That was against quality opposition. Uh, what Iowa did last night against Indiana was and, remarkable. But I, I'm not worried about Purdue. I think Purdue will be fine, but. Um, they need to go back to. They, they, they got to be cleaner in their execution, and they got to start hitting some threes.
1: Yeah, and uh and that game, by the way, Iowa was at Indiana, not in, in right. Hawkeye. And of course, then Purdue this weekend uh coming up on Sunday. They finish up against Illinois, and again, should right. be the one seed. I, I, you know, it just would take Purdue losing both games and somebody else winning two games, and uh, you know. As we talk here before the weekend, as we you and I have this conversation on Wednesday, um, right. so a couple of days before this show airs. So we're um, uh, looking at that. I think Purdue, we know, going to be the number one seed. A couple of, of conferences that I think would be difficult to parse through the teams, and you've got a lot of teams in contention. Obviously, the Big Ten, extremely competitive uh, with eight or nine teams uh, really in the mix there, um, probably at least eight bids going in. Uh, and then the Big 12, where, my goodness, I mean, they are yeah. top to bottom It is loaded how do you parse through those teams in a in a year like this when um they're all so very
7: competitive um and, yeah.
1: and doing very well in terms of uh, the net ratings
4: yeah
7: well i mean that's the thing you know the the, the league performed well in non conference play and that's why everything you know and all that all of that carries through uh in the rankings as you play conference games so i think they've got nine teams in the top 25 or 30 of the net and um or maybe it's top fifty. Maybe Texas Tech is kind of on the outside a little bit, but no you know it's it's just remarkable. I mean, you're playing quad one games almost every time you take the floor, no matter where you take the floor. And that's that's it, it's so you it's a pretty easy to resume build, but it's hard to win. So you know, Kansas has got just five losses. To me, they should be the overall number one seat. The committee gave us Alabama and Houston uh, on the uh, eighteenth um, February. The Saturday. And, um, you know, nothing has really changed as to why they picked Alabama and Houston, except for that Kansas is still piling up wins. So, um, but when Purdue lost it at home to Indiana, I put them from number three overall to four and actually would have dropped them down had Texas won on the weekend, but they also lost. They're the closest chaser. And as for UCLA, I mean, UCLA has got a really good record and the net likes them. Uh, uh, one thing about the net in a minute but the thing about ucoa is no bad losses at usc is the worst um that's a bubble team but you know that's not a bad loss but their best win is maryland or now maybe kentucky mm-hmm. but they beat the kentucky before kentucky started playing right mm-hmm. yeah so you know it's hard to make a case as the number one seed when th- that's your best win and all of these other teams ahead of you have got these really good wins, you know, it's, it's, I, I, so until they beat Arizona, which is the only team that could, you know, where that, uh, that win would yeah. match up with anybody else. I don't think you can take UCLA as a serious number one seat candidate. When they get Arizona at home this weekend, might Team again in the conference tournament, but it's a, a, to me, it's a pretty soft resume for a number one seat. I yeah. mean, obviously they're, and I think they're a great team. I've seen, I saw them live, uh, in, in la when they played usc at home um but they're, they're good there's no question they could win the whole thing but at some point your resume has to stack up and right now it doesn't we're talking with expert
1: bracketologist jerry palm
7: of CBSports.com.
1: time for a local station break and then back with more from jerry here on big sports radio
0: you're listening to the big sports radio network with larry smith mike kegley and brad sturdy
1: Welcome back now to the show. We are here with Jerry Palm. He is the uh, chief bracketologist, if you will, at CBSSports.com. Been with them since uh, 2004 and you may recall is the originator of the college RPI.com website that was so popular uh, 20 years ago uh, before he joined CBS. Uh, you know, Jerry, back then it was, uh, you know, about the RPI. And now there's this thing called uh, called the net that they've used as a tool to help decide which teams get at large bids. Tell us about the net.
7: So the net is used to determine which quadrant your opponents go into. So, you know, people get worked up. They did with the RPI and they do now with the net that the, you know, the net should be the thing that drives the selection process. It's like, well, my net ranking is really good. Why are we so low? Well, the net is heavily influenced by margin of victory. So, I mean, if you look at data points that are readily available, I mean, it's not technically margin of victory. It's net efficiency. And then they do sophisticated things with it. Net efficiency is a different way to measure margin of victory. Margin of victory is scoring margin per game. Net efficiency is scoring margin per possession. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's estimated, possessions are estimated because they're not on a box score. So there's a formula for that. But you know it's still margin of victory. So if you look at like the average margin of victory and you'll see like the top 10 teams, those are almost identical to the top 10 teams in the net. right? But their resumes may not stack up. You know, St. Mary's is a good example. Uh, but so, it, it, so you can't get too worked up in the metrics because they, they aren't a decisive thing, but they are important because they determine which quadrant right. your team goes in. And, and, and um, but the, So the net is, is better than the RPI. It's a little more sophisticated, but it still has its flaws in determining, you know, because the committee's process is still results-oriented. Right. And the net is, has got a results oriented component to it, but it's, it's not a very strong.
1: Yeah. here Here's my question I want to get to is when you talk about the net and, and the, and the, the process, um, you know, I, back when the RPI played a bigger role, Um, if you played, you know, I mean, one year, I think it was maybe 2017, 2018, like, I mean, k-state and 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 florida state had like i mean you know 10 wins or eight wins outside the the, the top 100 uh and they're actually it was sort of like five outside the top 200 and nc state one year lost it lost a bid they were a bubble team that didn't get picked because they had so many losses or so many wins i'm sorry that were way way outside the, the top the right. 100 this the quad four wins if you have 10 quad four wins lower lesser wins does that hurt you in terms of sure. a team has only
7: has only five and zero instead of this team being ten and zero against quad four? No question, because your your schedule's not as strong. Mm-hmm. And the net is, by the way, the RPI was never any more important than the net is now. I mean, RPI was never decisive. It's, right. it's the net is being used the same way right. the RPI used to be used. It's just a more sophisticated metric. But yes, if you've got a ton of quad four losses, and oh, the other thing is we never referred to it as quad one or quad two, you know, until they until recently, until about the time the net came along, or maybe a little before. Uh, but yeah, it's a... Uh, um, but there's always been four buckets on the team sheet, so we, we yeah. just didn't refer to them as quadrants. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they um, If you have a weaker schedule, and you can determine that oftentimes by seeing the number of quad four games. It's funny, when I compare San Diego State to somebody, San Diego State's got like 10 quad three wins and only one in quad four. And then I'll compare them to Oh, uh, almost any major school. And then they'll have, like, seven or eight quad four. Oh, like, uh, um, I want to say uh, Oklahoma State, maybe, has got a bunch of quad four women, you know, and they play in the Big 12. So they've got, you know, a heavy, oh, you know who's got it? It's Iowa State. Iowa State has got five total games in quads two and three. So they've got, like, you know, 15, 16, 17 in quad one, and then another 10 to 12 in quad four. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it's just how you, you, you've got left this big gap in your schedule and it's kind of hard, you know, but when you've got, but Iowa State's on the bubble now because, you know, their record's not very good. It's not very good against the top three quadrants, which has had a dividing line over the years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point, your schedule's really tough, but you have to be up to it enough to have a good enough record to get picked. And that's currently the problem for Oklahoma State, could be a problem for West Virginia. And it could end up being a problem for Iowa State if they don't get some things turned around because they've lost eight out of ten and are starting to slide precipitously down the bracket. Yeah, and again, it's so such a tough conference.
1: Talking with Jerry Palm here with the CBSSports.com. You know, I remember, do remember um, one thing about the RPI you could you could count on is if a team had five losses outside the top hundred, you were not getting at large bid. And one year I was screaming at ESPN and their their post coverage you know after CBS went off the air because all these guys, by the way, from the ACC. None can figure out why Syracuse got left out. I'm screaming, because yeah. they have five losses outside the yeah. top hundred? Nobody gets in with five yeah. losses outside the top hundred. So
7: um, Yeah, it actually so, it happened once. USC got in one year with six. But you're right. I mean that was uh that was a, a pretty historically hard line. Yeah. You know, that, but they, and, they, and that but they um, had a
1: resume than Syracuse that year, overall resume than what Syracuse yeah. the year I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're,
7: the um it, yeah, it's and bad losses are still a thing. You know, yeah. we measure it differently with a different formula. Right. But um, but bad losses, you know, do a lot of damage. You look at New Mexico. New Mexico's got four bad losses. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. To, and they two of those losses, their starting point guard, who is, leads the team in assists and second in scoring, didn't play. And they just took two bad losses. And they still count. You know, it's unfortunate, but they still count. It's going to be hard for them to overcome it. Um, you know, it's funny. We talk about schedules. Uh, One team we're talking a lot about these days is Charleston, which is 27 and three, 30 games, three games that are quad one and two, all of the others, 27 games and two losses, by the way, quad three and four. And it's like, well, why aren't 27 and three? Why aren't they in that large team? Their strength of schedule is 337 as we speak today. That's bottom 10% of division one, the record for the best or the, the worst schedule to get into the NCAA tournament in the 30 years that I've been doing this was well, like two twenty nine in 1994, the very first year that team was Charleston. So um, that's a <laughs> nice coincidence, but you know, this, there's this just not an at large team because they didn't play a good enough schedule. Yeah. There's just nothing to do. Em.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jared, I've got, I've got a running out of time here, but I do want to get a question. Um, obviously we can find your stuff, com When do you kind of solidify your final bracket? picks is it noon sunday or what's your process because obviously 6 p.m eastern time is when it comes out yeah. uh when you, um, you try to get sunday your-
7: morning straight away oh i'll have something that's final ish um there are contingencies based on the games going on that day perhaps just like the committee has you know they'll do like eight brackets or whatever for to deal with potential sunday results um so i i may have a a change later in the day based on a res- uh, result from one of the games. But um, for the most part, Sunday, it's it everything is pretty well locked up.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, we can't wait for that. Uh, by the way, I will throw this out. My 13th dirty dozen comes out Sunday night uh, on the selection night. Houston likely is going to be, is going to be dirty. And it's, as you know, the dirty, do- you know what the dirty Dozen? it's never missed um and and i i think houston's gonna make that list now the numbers are it's 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 too early to be definitive you got to wait till everything comes right. up. but I, right. I i think it's uh anyway that's that's i'm i'm deeper down that rabbit hole over here
0: <laughs> this one, <than> this one. <laughs> all yeah. right i'll look
1: forward to that list yeah, there you go we'll see if we send can. me your list 13th, me uh, i make sure i yeah it's, it, and it's i do my facebook page and we put it on com now um for starters since people there are uh subscriptions but it will be out there just keep searching but i'll make sure you get a copy because all right thanks we're way back hey jerry i know you've got to run uh we've got to get going as well hit a commercial break great to talk with you uh thanks again for giving us your expertise over all these years and um and good luck with now final question how many years have you hit all the entire field correctly have you predicted uh, i
7: think four or five i rarely miss more than one
1: i know you're always right yeah. there did it once only only one time and so at least i can say one time I caught you, but, but I'll always <laughs> be
7: behind. Jerry
1: Palm, great to talk with you, Sports.com and uh, enjoy the games in March. All right, thank you. All right. Hey, stay with us. Quick time out and much more to come after this. My muscles ached.
6: I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is...
8: A fever. Headaches.
6: You don't always
8: know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens
5: i had west nile virus from a mosquito
6: threats to your health can come from unexpected places mosquitoes ticks and cockroaches can make you sick get the facts visit pestworld.org paramedic
0: firefighter police officer different job titles one common
1: goal to keep communities safe they all risk their lives every day responding to emergencies Just because they accept their jobs can be hazardous doesn't mean they have to be. Is your workplace safe for everyone? Learn more about the Put Yourself in Our Boots campaign at ourboots.ca. This
7: message brought to you by the John Petropolis Memorial Fund.
1: Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Henley, right back here with you as we continue. Uh, we just got through talking with Jerry Palm of uh, CBS Sports. Great to have Jerry on on the show and um, and to get his insights, hey, guys. I want to ask you what what we just uh, asked him. Um, so Purdue, let's start with Purdue right now. Uh, at one point, was number one overall seed, but as he mentioned, um, going into uh, the game Thursday night, um, lost four of their last six uh, teams. Got to figure out how to play them a little bit. What is what do you think Purdue has to do? In these next this next week and a half to hold on to that number one seed come uh, selection Sunday,
2: man. I I think that it 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 may depend less on what Purdue does. Obviously, if they win out, then win the Big Ten tournament, probably going to get a one seed. But it may depend on like what a team like does. UCLA win out does do they win the Pac twelve tournament and and they finish that out well. If that happens and they win all their games, well, maybe they jump Purdue if Purdue loses to anybody during that stretch. So I, I think that's where it sits. I, I think you're so – It's like people always talk about the bubble too. Well, the bubble isn't always about just your team. What other teams do matters as well because everybody's – and everybody thinks, well, my team's going to lose. We're going to not make the tournaments. like everybody except for one team in the conference – is going to lose at least one game in the next like 10, 12 days. Everybody's losing. It's just the way it is. And so you got to understand that.
3: Yeah. Cause I look at it as, you know, you know, UCLA and Purdue are supposedly, you know, playing for that last number one. But if they both look impressive over the next week and a half, they could both end up in and, you know, Kansas, Alabama, Houston can't afford to let their guard down. What I think is amazing is that you know Bill Self has kind of demonstrated why he's Bill Self. He's got this team that maybe wasn't as you know well thought of as other Kansas teams, and then they're back in the in the mix to be a number one seed again. Um, you have to give him credit for that, and. And I I tell you, the defense that Houston plays, they're fantastic to watch as a basketball fan. Uh, the same with Alabama. So it, it, there's a lot going on. And, of course, Alabama's got the controversy going around it as well. Will that be a distraction? Uh, there's a lot of storylines going into this, this last week and a half, and you just got to stack wins.
1: Yeah, I think, and getting back to Bill Self, you're right, 20 years now at Kansas, and like you said, say what you want. But he just – it, it, it just find a way. they find a way every single time. And this is the year that I really thought, you know what? They've got Texas right there. Uh, Baylor always is strong. Um, they have these other teams. Iowa State had the hot start. TCU was big early on. But yet in the end, guess what? It's it's Kansas right there going into the weekend with a chance to secure uh, yet again another regular season championship. And they have to you know, build another um, you know, build more rafters and in, uh, in fog to hold all the banners there uh, that, that they win. Um, let's talk about in terms of you mentioned you know, UCLA and, and, and USC, UCLA, a team that I think deservedly. So finally getting some respect. One question, though, is is their resume and in terms of uh, perhaps their biggest win was the one over USC.
2: Yeah. They need to probably need to beat like Arizona, let's say for example, something like that. And if they can get that in the PAC 12 tournament, I think that that helps them or down the stretch here. Uh, I think if they can win that game, that, that really changes the narrative. They got another quality win, but um, yeah, I I think UCLA is really good though. I just watched them play. I've seen them play live twice. So I kind of have a perspective. I, I know they, you know, they did lose to Illinois early, but Um, then that you know they come out and beat Baylor, so I guess Baylor would probably be their you know best win there. But I I think, uh, when you look at these teams, I, I, where are we going to slot North Carolina? Are they a one or a two? Because you know, we automatically put them, I mean, like they have they had like no quad one wins and everybody had them in the tournament, like they were 0 and 9 in quad one a week ago. It's like, oh, they're probably on the bubble. What team is 0 and 9 in quad one and on the bubble? None, nobody is.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's uh. You know, Blue Bloods do get a little bit of uh, uh, leeway, and I guess we'll see that. I think this this is one of those years where, unlike many, uh, you know, you've got five teams that could be a, a one seed, and only four are going to get it. Uh, and then the other thing is Marquette's kind of hard charging as well. You know, a couple s- unexpected stumbles, and, you know, maybe Marquette finds its way into that one line. I don't think it'll happen. But, again, it's it's really hard to predict this year as we've seen teams earlier in the week, you know, like Indiana gets blown out on their home floor. I don't know that anybody thought that was going to happen. So these conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament should be the uh, ultimate in entertainment.
2: Iowa just scored again while you were talking, Mike. <laughs> they just scored another basket. <laughs> It was almost like Drago
1: against Rocky, right? You heard some some screaming Hoosierish, and it just went on and you know just 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 destroyed him. in Hawkeye, I should say. It, it was um, it was more
3: Drago against uh, Apollo. Apollo, against Apollo <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, throwing the towel, in the towel. Throw in the towel. <laughs> exactly.
2: Mike Mike Winston had the towel, and he wouldn't throw it. He just didn't throw it from the sideline. <laughs> I mean, throw right the, the, the towel.
1: towel. Same was, trace. on the peep towel exactly. So well,
3: so much so much for Fran going to Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, we know that's not going to happen. Um, you know, give me one team that, uh, and you bring up a great point with Marquette. I saw somewhere that Marquette, uh, what a job Shaka Smart has done! Uh, a guy who was chased out of Texas right before the uh, before the cavalry came to get him. Um, you know, he was um, in his what second year there. What a job he's done! I believe Marquette' highest ranking they've had since 1978, I believe, which is around the time that they won the last uh, their only NCAA title. Um, Give me a team that that you're watching to make a move here in conference week. That um, maybe a team like a Marquette or like a maybe an Arizona that that we're not talking about right now. That may make some noise here heading into Selection Sunday.
2: I I would say my opinion. I, I think I still like St. Mary's. Does that make me crazy? I just think they have a lot of pieces and and their analytics love them. You know, they're top ten on Ken Palm. I just really like St. Mary's. I think they're good. Um, I think they're they're Good. Hey, obviously, everybody likes Kansas. Uh, and the other team that I like is I do like UCLA. I really like their makeup for the tournament. They have shot creators, they have athletes up front, and they have a point guard who is very good. So you put those together, those are probably the teams that I think, you know, that uh, maybe if is a two, I think they're an under-seeded two. Um, but, uh, you know, so I guess.
3: I'm going to take the uh, ultimate dark horse of Houston. <laughs> I think that I think their defense is just so physical, fast. It's just fearsome. And then you take a, a freshman like Jerris Walker, who uh, I remember scouting at AAU tournaments, who couldn't shoot past eight feet. And all of a sudden, now he's he's down in three pointers. Um, that team is much more multifaceted now than I thought they would be at the beginning of the season
1: couple of good picks there. And, you know, Kelvin Sampson, I think people, I don't think gets the credit um, as one of the few coaches who have taken two different programs in the Final Four. Um, I think people tend to forget what he did at Oklahoma, you know, 20 years ago, back in the, uh, uh, the, the 2002 when Maryland won it all. Uh, they were there. And again, in 2003 when Syracuse won it all. So um, I, I think you're right. He's somebody that maybe, maybe will get the props that uh, that he deserves. And, of course, stuff at, uh, that happened in Oklahoma and Indiana Kind of change that just a little bit. I'm an NCAA selection Sunday coming up he's, here.
2: He's so likable, too.
1: He really is. Yes. So, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going to get in, in the weeds with Kelvin. With <laughs> so, um, but by the way, I did get a cell phone call from him just now. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll talk uh, Purdue and their latest game and um, looking into the weekend in terms of one Final round of games, uh, one final game, I should say, for each Big Ten team. We'll talk about that next, right
4: here. Stay with us. That's 800-613-8053. There's nothing more fun than going boating with friends. We were all out
2: having a good time when all of a sudden, my best friend's hat flew off and without thinking, he jumped in the water to retrieve it. When we turned the boat around, he seemed to be struggling to keep his head above the water. We all started yelling, Pull the cord! Pull the cord! I pulled the cord and my life was saved. I was wearing a belt-type inflatable life jacket. The wisest decision
1: I
6: ever made. Life jackets worn, nobody mourns. Learn more at pleasewearit.com.
0: Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio.
1: The Sports Spectacular, powered by Alani Guys, is right back here. Larry, Mike, and Brad joining uh, all of you, and glad you're with us here on this weekend. Um, You know, so the the Big Ten, it's the final weekend we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, one game on Saturday that doesn't have a big consequence. Michigan State's going to finish the season one game shy of a full slate because of the game they had to cancel a home game against Minnesota because of the horrific shooting uh, on campus. Um, They're not going to get a chance to to make that game up. Um, But then you get into into Sunday, and, you know, you've got six games that have a a lot to to, – you know, to try that may go a long way. It's going to go a long way to, to, to determine how this big Ten tournament shapes up in terms of um, the top four seeds, the double buys. And then later on, as we mentioned before, um, even Purdue, it, the one seed, is going to have a real tough matchup. The first thing to step on the court, because whoever's in that eighth seed is is going to go to the NCAA tournament as well. And would be a tough out in the
2: NCAA. No question. This is a, uh... As uh, Somebody said uh, on Twitter, I saw. I don't know if the Big Ten is good or not, or, or they're just, or they're they're just mediocre, or they're really, or they're all good. You know, we've had years where we thought they weren't, they were really good and they didn't fare well. This might be the opposite year. This might be a year they're maybe not as good perceived as good, but they have a really good tournament because they have so much depth. These guys are just beat beat up on each other uh, for twenty games. But I, I look at these Sunday games. I mean, there's some really good matchups, and there's some teams that are kind of in a must-win mode, If they not only for Big Ten tournament seeding, but for to make the NCAA tournament, they can't afford to have, you know, Wisconsin can't afford to have a bad loss to Minnesota on Sunday. You know, just Rutgers is struggling. Do they, they really kind of need to beat Northwestern at home? You know, Penn State needs that win over Maryland. They need a signature win there. So it's a lot of fun. And we'll see what happens.
3: And and two weeks ago, I would have said, "Who cares about Nebraska and Iowa?" But now Nebraska started to play a little better. Can they go out and try to be the spoiler, and uh, maybe not take Iowa out of the NCAA, but certainly they might be able to make that path a lot harder in the Big Ten that gets them to the NCAA. Maybe
2: Nebraska gets over five hundred too. They're you know they get over that five hundred hump. Now they make the nit. And they exactly. get some extra games with Fred Hoberg has done a really good job with that team
3: down the stretch. And then I'm kind of intrigued by the uh, Indiana-Michigan game because, you know, we've we've not been super high on, uh, you know, Jawan Howard as a coach, but he's got a lot of talent on that team. And then how's Indiana, you know, they're going to be kind of feisty. Um, that is going to be a, a really good game because if, if I'm Indiana and I think, you know, if I paced – uh, Michigan, I might be able to keep them out of the tournament this year. Um, I'm going to be fired up to play.
2: Yeah, and, and Indiana coming off that game with Iowa, Iowa just scored again. They keep yeah, scoring know, every, time we, <laughs> every time we're they, talking.
3: And they have to, you know, you, you talk about trying to, you know, leave it in the past, but that's really hard to do for for anybody when you're a competitor and you get the doors blown off of you at home. So I, I assume Indiana is going to be very – um, determined to, to do better on Sunday.
1: Yeah, senior night, uh, a CBS game. So uh, CBS loves Michigan, so they'll be following that game. As well. <laughs> we talked about in terms of the um, you know every game meaning something. I mean, all six games mean something. There there's a one of the one of the six pack for second place is in uh, every single game except for Wisconsin, Minnesota. Even that has a consequence because the Badgers after the close loss Thursday night. Uh, you know, taking on Purdue at home. Now you go on the road. We just saw Minnesota right before the Purdue game knock off Rutgers at home and battle had another huge game for the Gophers. That guy can't be stopped. So it was constantly something big to play for. Minnesota wants to go out uh, as a spoiler. And and so that's what makes it fun. It's funny. I, I was telling my wife that, you know, really every single night is a must-see in the Big Ten because literally anybody could beat anybody. I mean, we, we've we seen Penn State almost knock off Purdue. Um, it's It's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, I, I've i never seen I was talking to the Illinois, um Illinois uh, assistant athletic director Kent Brown this week. And we went back to we're going back to maybe 2009. when We had there was like a four way tie for second place at 11 and seven in the Big Ten. That's the last time I remember anything like this. But it wasn't like this. I mean, there's there's literally, you know, you got seven or eight teams vying for that top four. seed. it's crazy.
3: Yeah, and there's really no point in trying to predict who's going to be two, three, and four because you could do seven different permutations. <laughs> and it really wouldn't matter, you know. But I do think there are some teams that are really constructed to be kind of scary. And I'm starting to think Iowa, when they shoot well, it doesn't matter that they don't play defense. <laughs> um, and they may be able to, you know, could, could they finally break that curse and get to the second round for the first time in forever.
1: What, wouldn't it be just amazing if Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois, all three had horrible starts uh, back in January, and they wound up as a 2, 3, and 4? I was going to ask you to predict <laughs> 2, 3, and 4, but I won't. I'll spare you. Um, yeah. after all, we really don't have enough time to go through. She mentioned all the possible.
2: Well, if there's like 128 possible combinations still <laughs> on the table, so we'll see. <laughs>
1: Exactly. The one thing we do know is that one of either Michigan or Indiana will not be in that tie. Um, that's an elimination game, if you will. One of those will not be part of the mix. So we know that no more than five teams will be in it. The question is, which of the other five joining Michigan and Indiana in that mix? And uh, we will know Sunday night and uh, and then head into Chicago. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick time out here and much more to come. Uh, a lot of different uh, topics, a few things that caught our eye. Uh, all around uh, the country, including uh, what's going on in the NBA right now. Um, Harmony. It's a beautiful thing. That's next.
0: (laughs) You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. All some other uh, topics uh, all around the country
1: right now. Uh, Mike, you were talking about the NBA and a new collective bargaining agreement possibly getting done Uh, this month, I I remember the days back in the, you know, the late David Stern and Billy Hunter, this thing, you know, those things would drag on for weeks and months and possibly even after the season, they could get this thing done before the playoffs. tip
3: off. Yeah, that is, that is incredible. Of course, it would be great if you were a GM to plan your off season. There's a lot of things that according to the athletic that, that they were uh, almost agreed upon the the two that jumped out to me most was that finally, after years of, saying this that the nba draft would um you know be eligible for those 18 years or older which would you know in the one and done system um and it gives high schoolers quite a bit of options uh you know as opposed to, to the past when you could just go to college um the other thing i thought was really interesting is they want to smooth out the rate by which the salary cap rises So you don't have like a season with crazy contracts like 2016, when the salary cap went up so much that, that, you know, average players got these contracts because the NBA owners couldn't protect from themselves offering bad contracts.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. It's almost like, um, you know, back when major league baseball spent all that money right away and they they were like, well, we we have to, because, you know, we have to spend that much. And it didn't make sense. Yeah. there are a lot of guys making some bank because of that though when that when they do have that break. I, I think the eighteen year old thing needs to happen. But I, I think it's gonna be interesting. You think about it, because now they, they have other options. They can go to college. What can a guy what can a freshman make in college? Can he make a million dollars? Now, if he's not gonna be a if he's not a surefire there are certain guys. I mean, I LeBron James didn't need to play in college. He did okay. Right. But there are a lot of guys, you know, maybe it would have helped Eddie Curry and, and long term he might have had a longer NBA career. By going to college you know what i mean i don't know i mean it's hard to say but you can start to see where somebody say i need to develop a little bit and while i'm developing i'm gonna make a, a million dollars a year for a couple years so it'll be interesting to see the choice they have it also what what impact um the overtime elite those guys won't be in the, those leagues you know like uh you know that are there right now like a shade and sharp that played there last year or, or something like that
1: yeah i totally agree and and it's um I agree with that. I remember back in 2005 when I was covering the NBA finals and boy, what a what a difference it's been from back then when the late David Stern, commissioner of the NBA and Billy Hunter actually had to go to Manhattan, um, had to lie to all the big players who were around kind of chipping and chirping about what they wanted to do, had to go to Manhattan and hide off in a in an undisclosed hotel room not a boardroom and spend all night hammering out the deals only with their principal lawyers sitting next to them. So um, what a difference that they're all kind of coming together this quickly and this easily. Look, there's so much money out there now with this TV deal. I mean, like I said, you've got, you know, you now have announcers, you know, the Charles Barkley types making $10 million a year. So if they're making 10 million. What are the players making? I mean, that's just how much money is involved right now. A um, you know, Great story. And, uh, on CBS Sports we've had Dennis Dodd on several times. Obviously, Jerry Palm uh, coming on. Uh, Tom Fernelli had a great piece projecting the permanent rivals for the Big Ten once expansion happens next year, and UCLA and USC come in, comes in. And it was really interesting. Like for example, um, you know they're trying to how do you bring in these two teams that are on the West Coast? I mean, they you know outside of the Rose Bowl, right? They don't really have a big connection to the big 10. One was interesting UCLA. It's the three, six, six model, right? Three teams that you play every year. That's your, that's, that's, those are your rivals. And then the other two groups of six, you alternate uh, with those. Well, for UCLA, they had obviously USC, then Nebraska, and then Illinois. And this is what he's guessing. It'll happen. It's not, it's not set in stone, but I thought it was interesting. His rationale is us UCLA has played Nebraska more than, than any other big 10 school. They played Illinois, the second most. So I do appreciate the the thought in this, but um, it's an interesting read if you get a chance to to check it out.
2: Yeah, it's it's really hard to hard to imagine what they're going to do with those with those alignments and how they're going to set this up. And you know, I it seems like you would want to have Illinois be in the same uh, pool as Northwestern, though. You know, in state rival and things like that. So if you're going to do this, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I really don't know. They're going to figure it out because there's just two teams that are out there in the middle of nowhere. And so, uh, well, I guess it's not nowhere, but compared to the rest of the big 10 teams, but (laughs) right there, two teams out there by themselves in this small (laughs) town called LA. But uh, so but there's two teams out there kind of on their own. And what do you do with those? I guess you got some guys on the east coast. What do you do with them? And how do you put them all together? Football is going to obviously be scheduling to be tough, but uh, and I think they'll do doubles in basketball where you go play both of them when you travel, but. The other side of this, these these non-revenue sports are going to be crazy.
3: Yeah, and I will tell you what, if the Pac ten, Pac twelve, and um, Big Twelve wanted to play real hardball, they would refuse to do any type of of those uh, non-revenue sports with UCLA and uh, USC to really make it hard for them. Um, I do think that some of those those I do like the idea of having three you know rivals is good. I think it will take some time for a like, I think the first one and maybe the second one is usually pretty clear. The third one, I think is going to be an acquired taste for arrival. So hopefully they'll stick with it long enough that you'll actually develop that.
1: Interesting, Brad, uh, you think just like Tom Fornelli for Illinois, he has UCLA Northwestern and Purdue, which, uh, which makes sense uh, with that. But again, a great read on CBS sports.com. Really interesting to take a look at that and, uh, and see just how, um how he thinks about it and again this is coming up It's really hard to believe folks the B-10 expanding next year it's now less than 18 months away july 1st it is it's upon us keep it here we've got to take a quick time out and then much more after this
6: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it.
4: 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828.
2: Leave me alone.
4: When a child shares hurtful comments online, that's bullying. Visit erasebullying.ca to learn how to help your child stand up to cyberbullying.
1: As we talked about earlier, big showdown Thursday. Michigan coming up short in double overtime at Illinois, 91-87. The Illini trying to, uh, they know they're going to get an NCAA tournament bid, but trying to help themselves seating wise as most uh, bracketologists had them around that 8-9 line right now. Uh, Illini head coach Brad Underwood talking to the media after Thursday night's win. You
8: know, we had some heavy hearts. We had an interesting couple of days. Very challenging couple of days mentally and emotionally with situation that happened with Jaden uh, in practice. Uh, he never ventured uh, very far from our thoughts. you know Terrence was out in pre-day warm-ups during you know, Jaden shirt. Um, was a, that was a scary deal. We, we were actually relieved to see that it was a concussion um, And, uh, but about about the game, uh, it's always nice to win on senior night. It's always nice to see your two seniors contribute at a very high level. But this game to me was about Coleman Hawkins and, and the minutes played, uh, wrestling at, at times with, with, with Hunter, uh, we played small, we, we built a big league with him, uh, his IQ, his feel, um, his, his you know the ability to switch, rip drive, do some things, um, did that. But in, in my opinion, you, you know, some of the other guys have some better lines. But um, Coleman Hawkins was absolutely uh, um, a huge, huge factor. I thought uh, Ty Rogers was incredible tonight, you know, plus-16 and the plus-minus. Um, and, and what a year, second half of the year he's he's had and what he's developing into. So uh, it was great to see RJ. Um, yeah, that's RJ. And and. You know, rip driving it, uh, hit a three, hit his free throws, and then just—I've said all along—he's one of the better defenders in uh, in this league. So, um, you know, my hats off to Michigan. I think they're really good. Uh, Wish him nothing but the best um, the rest of the way. And and uh, um, but uh, proud of our guys for falling seven down in overtime with a minute of forty to go and. And it's very easy. I think there's a little maturity in that. Very easy to just say, "Well, yeah, we blew it. Uh, we made some mistakes at the end of regulation, giving up a three to Jet. Um, we just kept hanging in there. Um, and it's 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 the the craziness of this team. I use that term in in a, in a really positive way. But um, you know, it's their never die attitude and their their ability and um, you know, and then Terrence was 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 huge light. Any okay, questions? Jeremy? Right, it's more big picture, but 20 wins in a season for four straight years, what's that mean to you? Um, consistency. Great programs have consistency. Great programs have consistency. And When you play in the best league in the country with the best coaches and the best venues with the best talent, and and you start to establish that, um, and I'll be very honest, Jeremy, this this year means a little more. 90% of our team is gone. We're playing three freshmen, a whole bunch. Um, It's it's, got some great, great non-conference wins. We had to go through some speed bumps um, to keep our culture. And 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 that's that's the that's the important piece there. And uh, I don't want entitlement. I don't want um, that that happens. Every, nothing happens without a lot of really hard work. But consistency is is the thing that jumps to my mind. And, and to do that in this league um,
2: feels pretty good. Huge win for Illinois. They really needed this one. Um, you know, a little undermanned and had to battle through some adversity and. Got the job done. This is a team that, you know, is dangerous in March. They're a team that can get a lot of things going. They've got some, you know, the hired guns, basically, the two transfers from the Big 12, Shannon and Meyer. And when those guys get rolling, they're they're tough to beat. And I also think Michigan is probably a team that, if they can find a way to get in the NCAA tournament, they're they're a scary draw for somebody who's a high seed.
3: Yeah, those two teams have a lot of individual talent on them. Uh, You could see that uh, in this particular game. And I I think it was, you know, ultimately you got into a point where Illinois just got on a roll at the right time. Sometimes it's, the the, you know, it's best to be the team that's the hottest at the end. And um, there wasn't much, uh, you know, between those two teams other than maybe the one wide open shot that uh, Michigan had there at the end just didn't fall. And, uh, Illinois was left uh, with the victory.
1: No question about that. So, uh, again, both those teams uh, are part of that six team uh, mashup of uh, teams right now tied for second place. Uh, but as we talked earlier, only one of those uh, will get a chance that we know that only one of Michigan, Indiana get a chance Could it be five teams tied or maybe it, only one team is there. We don't know. We won't know until Sunday night, but Sunday is the day. Just like it's sort of like uh conference championship Sunday in the NFL, right? I mean, get your chips and dip and sit back because this is going to be a lot of fun to watch six games. Every single game with meaning as uh, the teams get ready to go to Chicago, starting with uh, the two games of the uh, the four uh, teams finishing at the bottom of the conference. Those teams will play on Wednesday and uh, then four games uh, on Thursday and again Friday as uh, the madness is here. Um, and it's going to be exciting to watch the Big Ten. And to Brad's point, I think Michigan, if they get in the tournament, could be one of the, if not the most dangerous team, if if you're to play them as a 12 seed moving on. Kind of like UCLA a couple years ago, the team that comes out of nowhere is a double digit. Would be surprising to find them in the uh, you know elite eight or something because they've got a lot of talent there, and, and uh, we've watched them go on a big run here, uh, very late. Hey, stay with us. We've got uh, more to come, including um, two warnings. Mind your monster. And why are you paying to stay in a cave? That's next. This is Big Sports
0: Radio. They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Hey, kind
1: of a... Weird week uh, this week with the Illinois basketball program, uh, <laughs> Brad. You're telling us in the break here a little more about about Matt Meyer um, and
2: and Monster Drinks. Yeah, so he after the Ohio State loss, he kind of drowned his sour er, sorrows in Monster and video games and like six or five or six Monster drinks. So he's got all this caffeine in his system, and he says he has caffeine poisoning. Now, I will say that is a kind of a real thing. I don't know if it's that's a clinical thing, but you can, you have too much caffeine. I remember one time I drank too much Red Bull. Now I was mixing it with something else that may have been the issue. But like, I thought I was going to die at like three in the morning, like many, many years ago. And then I I ended up crashing and I was out for like eight hours and I couldn't even function. I mean, I was like dead to the world. So it is kind of a real thing. Not not So I don't recommend energy drinks. I don't drink them. <laughs>
3: Much in anyway. come, come on, Larry. How do I follow that? Good <laughs> lord. This man is this man lives the most sedate life and has more near near death experiences than anybody I know. <laughs> okay. I, I will say one thing though. I can I can understand you know, soaking your sorrows in a um in a video game. I think those monster and Red Bulls taste horrible. Now, I do drink about fifteen Coke Zeros a day. That's where I was. So going. I, let the innocent among us throw the first stone, because I might be a semi caffeine poison.
1: Only by the grace of God and your wife in the house have you not had a. Semi- you
3: know, I have
2: to blame Jeff Alexander for my latest monster issue, because he started me on the the Arnold Palmer monster with the tea lemonade mix. It's really good. It actually tastes good if you like Arnold Palmers. And he started me on this, so it's his fault. So it's Jeff Alexander. It's always his fault. I told him that. Yeah. You ruined me.
3: So so Brad Brad's the type of guy who comes back, you know, one night late from the bars and then tells everybody, I had all I had was tea and I'm 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 drunk. And it's like, what type of tea? Oh, Long Island. Oh okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, another big story this week. Uh the new rules to speed up Major League Baseball, two crazy instances. Uh the Braves, any of the game on a walk off strikeouts uh, because he wasn't set in the batter's box or whatever in time. And with two s- strikes and two outs of the ninth, And then the Orioles and pirates playing the bottom half of the ninth inning without umpires. Cause they left the game.
2: Yeah. I, it, this is bizarre. Like, I mean, major league baseball, it's like, they're trying to become a sideshow. Like, I, I swear. I, and I love baseball, but who cares if the game averages three hours? Like it, now it's two hours and 39 minutes. Okay. I want to be there for 20 minutes. That's I, that's the last two innings. They shut off beer service in the seventh. So now they're just going to shut it off sooner. They're going to, you know, who cares? (laughs) NFL games can take three and a half hours, but some, oh gosh, major league baseball game. Can't take that long. You know, NBA basketball game, two and a half hours, pretty much set, but they have timers and I get it. But baseball, just let it be. Now they'll figure it out. But I, I, I hope, and this sounds terrible. But I hope like somebody loses based on a strikeout because they weren't in the box at eight seconds in the in the playoffs. That'll be the best. That'll be the best thing ever because they'll realize. Then we'll see. Guys, that's stupid. Why did we put that in place?
3: Yeah, you know, baseball suffers from the fact that it's the one sport that had its popularity before television. You know, the NFL was designed for television in terms of you know they they adjusted the rules for that early on of course the nba was never a big thing you know and then then you know television kind of evolved with that game as well and baseball is, you know i think the the two sports that are pre pre-tv that um are baseball and boxing and boxing can only last you know 36 minutes of fight time and another you know twelve or 48 minutes when you add in the the, uh, the, the minute in between. And I just think there's, it's a challenge for baseball because it just doesn't move at the pace that most Americans um, are expecting. But I think maybe you sell the difference and not try to be like everybody else.
1: It's going to be interesting. Um, I'd tell you this much. There will be a lot of controversy talked about uh, during the season, which unfortunately will overshadow the actual accomplishments and the things in the game itself.
2: No question. And you know what? You mentioned NFL, Mike, what the NFL is like, and they're trying to all the college. now, trying all the speed up rules in football too. But think about this, the game itself, we run that clock. The game itself is like 15 minutes long. Like the whole football game is like 15 minutes. That's why you can do big 10 and 60 on the big 10 network, because that's all the plays are is like 15 (laughs) minutes of time. So I, I don't, I don't know. It's just bizarre to me that we're worried about. Got to speed it up.
1: Well, another bizarre topic we have not discussed here in the show since it happened. Aaron Rodgers, who makes forty, fifty million dollars a year, paying money to go into a cave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he had uh, he had monsters from Matt Meyer, and so and he was playing video games. They were both playing Call of Duty against each other. Is what happened, and and so it just set him. And I think that's what happened, and so. Aaron just needed his dark place there. As or maybe far as it was I, with Dexter, you see his dark passenger. I don't know.
3: As far as I can tell, Aaron Rodgers is doing nothing more than repeating his his hated mentor Brett Favre because Brett Favre would, you know, am I going to retire? Am I not going to retire? I'll tell you soon and then eventually he ended up, you know, I'm coming back. And and I think what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers is he's going to him and all around and he's going to do what he always does. I'm returning to the Packers, but he'll make sure to to ring out a couple three weeks of coverage before he announces.
1: And drama, you know. I mean, it's you know, you talk about talk about goats and Tom Brady or you know Dan Marino, whoever goats of drama. Brady and Rogers, there's your battle. I mean, who's who's going to drag this stuff out longer? So, uh, just do it already or go. Don't, some- don't 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 overlook Brett
3: Favre though. Remember how long he used That's to take. That's true.
1: That's true. Same thing. But yeah,
3: if I was a- just laundering money from kids. <laughs> oh, oh, oh,
2: shots fired, shots fired.
3: <laughs>
1: like the Oswald shot Oh, right there. So the famous picture uh, from Dallas. Yeah. Here's the thing. If I if make making 40 million a year, I'm not going into a cave to figure it out. I'm going to Maui and I'm going to sit on the beach in a disguise and have nobody bother me in one of the cabanas out there at my favorite uh, rural Lahaina resort. And uh, you won't find me till I come out um six shades darker and then i'll tell you what's going on
2: but do we really know he went to a cave i mean do we know i mean like did anybody like see him in this cave no it was dark
1: (laughs) (laughs) If, if if a pro bowl quarterback goes into a cave do you really know he's there
2: exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> your point oh my well listen everyone stay out of your caves uh, get out uh watch the games enjoy uh enjoy life while we have it uh, we got we have this day let's rejoice in it for brad sturdy mike kegley i'm larry smith thanks for what thanks for watching that's what i usually say thanks for listening and uh enjoy we'll see you next week <laughs>
0: This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.